2: Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, July 20th, 2023. Today, federal prosecutors have subpoenaed State Farm Arena video surveillance footage in the Special Counsel January 6th investigation, Doug Ducey is cooperating with a special counsel probe. The Justice Department is looking into the inhumane treatment of migrants in Texas. More notable January six rioters are convicted or sentenced. Veterans are quitting Ron DeSantis' Florida State Guard over militant training. A federal judge has loosened pretrial conditions for George Santos. A New York judge has denied Trump's bid to move the Manhattan hush money case to federal court. Tommy Tuberville said he would donate every dime of his salary to veterans, and he has not. A judge denies Trump's motion for a new trial in the E. Jean Carroll case. Authorities in Nevada have executed a search warrant in the Tupac case, and the Arizona cyber ninja Carnival audit is under investigation. I'm Allison Gill, and I'm Dana Goldberg. Well, that was a minute-long intro. I think I know we've had longer, but that was a lot of headlines today. How are you, Dana? I'm good. It's also
3: this interesting hodgepodge of stories, and I'm actually really excited about the Tupac case being
2: revamped. Right. Cold case. Um, Yeah, it's all over the place today. So we'll just do some quick hits and get them out of the way. Big hearing in the House Oversight Committee today with the IRS whistleblowers. I didn't even put that in the headlines, but we're going to see. We're going to cover that tomorrow. We're going to see if I can't get Representative Dan Goldman on the show to discuss it. And we'll cover more in depth that hearing, of course, on the next Clean Up on L forty five episode. But it was all sorts of crazy. They had a big, giant floating Rudy head with his face melting off. A giant photo of him. Marjorie Taylor Green thought it would be cool to show naked photos of Hunter Biden during the hearing. I'm not sure Marjorie Taylor Green should be opening up that can of worms. No, right? And I mean, you know, how does the speech and debate cover? revenge porn? Like, where, the, where are we in this world? Anyway, I, I hope we get to talk to Rep Dan Goldman tomorrow. He's very busy. I know he's got a lot of votes and hearings and travel schedule, but we're going to we're gonna try to get him on the show to discuss that. But never you fear. Pete and I will have a lot of swears about it on the next Cleanup on Isle 45. Donald lost a bunch today. Again, he lost his bid to move the hush money case to federal court, which is funny because it was lost on his own general counsel, like the counsel for the Trump organization, Alan Fuderfoss, it was lost on his testimony. So that's fun. And he lost his motion for a, he wanted to retry the E. Jean Carroll case. So is the Hush Money case right now a state case? Yeah, it's Manhattan District Attorney. And so do you think
3: he wants to move it to federal that if they find him guilty again, that he could be pardoned if a Republican
2: president actually wins the White House? Yep. 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 So, nope. (laughs) And it's still set to to go in March. Now, of course, Judge Aileen Cannon might be eyeing March, the March timeframe for the documents case. And she has asked in a hearing if that trial, if the hush money trial could be moved to make way for the documents case because she thinks December might be too soon, but it's after the election is probably too far away. We're still waiting for that ruling to see where that comes down. There's so many cases now I'm getting them. There's so many indictments, people. It's hard to keep them separate. A little confused. Yeah. So Donald's a big loser again today. News in the Jack Smith probe. Doug Ducey is cooperating. State Farm Arena surveillance footage has has been subpoenaed. That was the whole, you know, suitcases under a suitcase full of ballots with Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. And uh, she handed her a, a... zip drive that looked like a vial of cocaine and it was it was a ginger mint you know that whole thing so jack smith's looking at that and the cyber ninjas crazy carnival audit is under investigation Good, finally by jack smith as well But it's been a, it's actually been a while uh, we just only recently found out about it but all of that we're going to cover on the next jack podcast and george santos Said, I want to travel, I wanna travel a little more. I want 30 miles radius around DC. So I can go to the mall and uh you know go here. And then he said, so I can visit the airport. I'm like, what the fuck do you want to go to the airport for? <laughs> Who doesn't like to visit the airport? If you get to, if you're not flying somewhere, you're just gonna get a Cinnabon because you like spending $17 on a Cinnabon at the airport. What are you going to the airport for, if not to fly out, the the judge agreed to loosen those restrictions. I got a little bit of a
3: spidey my sense. stomach dropped. Yeah, yeah, a little
2: bit. Like, why did he want to go to the airport if he only wanted to go thirty miles? You know, increase his radius by thirty miles. You can't. We, I'm like, hmm. So, why I'm would a you little... say? I don't even know why you would say that part out
3: loud. That's the only reason I can't imagine he's like wanting to flee back to whatever country is you know supporting his campaign. But I, I just, it's fascinating to me that he'd be like, and visit the airport.
2: Yeah. Well, he's got friends in Brazil. That's where he committed all of his fraud. Remember? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I feel a little sketch about this one. I mean, usually I'm like, no one's going to flee. He's not a flight risk. Blah, sure. Blah. I don't know. <laughs> I know this one. <laughs> with... mm. He's a special fella. All right. So that's just the, um, the little quick hits. We actually have uh, four full stories to get to. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Awesome. Hot notes. First up from Priscilla Alvarez at CNN, the Justice Department assessing the situation along the Texas-Mexico border following reports that Texas troopers were ordered to push migrants back into the Rio Grande and ordered not to give them water, calling those reports troubling. In a statement to CNN, the Justice Department's statement is the first public acknowledgement that the department is assessing the situation. Of course, it falls short of opening a full investigation. An assessment could be the first step towards an investigation. I'm here to tell CNN it is. Uh, A DOJ spokeswoman told CNN, the department is aware of the troubling reports. We're working with the Department of Homeland Security and other relevant agencies to assess the situation. So DOJ is involved. In a Tuesday joint statement with other Texas top officials, including Department of Public Safety Chief Steve McGraw, Governor Greg Abbott's office, said there have been no orders or directions given under Operation Lone Star. That's the name of the operation that captures pregnant women in Constantino wire and barbed wire and shoves migrants back into the Rio Grande, including children. Uh, we have been given no directions under Operation Lone Star that would compromise the lives of those attempting to cross the border illegally. The Biden administration has repeatedly criticized Abbott's actions along the southern border and his decision to transport migrants to Democratic-led cities without coordination. CNN previously reported the Department of Homeland Security and Justice Department were in ongoing discussions about what actions could be taken against the state. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre on Wednesday called Abbott's recent actions at the border a political stunt and shameful when asked about concerns from the Mexican government over the state's floating barriers. Quote, I saw these reports. I think one of the things I've been very clear about is that this governor has done over and over again, what he has done is treated the situation we're seeing at the border in an inhumane way. It's atrocious, the actions that he decided to take instead of dealing with the issue in a way that we can get to a resolution and we're working on together. He turns it into a political stunt. That's what she said on Wednesday. This is not surprising. Quote, just yesterday, I was asked about abandoned children or migrant children, not offering them water. This is what we see over and over again from this Texas governor, from Governor Abbott, and it is all we are asking for as a country and what we should hold near and dear is the basic human decency. Basic human decency, and we're just not seeing it from this governor. Jean-Pierre said she would not speak to the legal piece of the situation, adding she would refer any legal action to the Department of Justice. Internal discussions about legal action against Texas date back to last year when Abbott began sending migrants to cities nationwide without alerting them and without coordinating them and promising the migrants jobs and shit that that were lies and has continued with the deployment of buoys in the Rio Grande, which posed potential drowning risk to migrants and now concern over the treatment of migrants. Texas is already facing a lawsuit against its installation of a marine floating barrier. The owner of Texas Canoe and Kayaking Company filed the lawsuit earlier this month on the same day Texas started deploying the buoys for the barrier in an attempt to deter migrant crossings over the river. That suit lists the state of Texas and Abbott, as well as the Texas Department of Public Safety and the Texas National Guard. Now, it's unclear whether the administration will take action, legal action specifically against Texas. And officials have stressed that border agents have historically worked closely with Texas National Guard and Texas Department of Public Safety. But I want to remind CNN that when Arizona put up their container border wall, the DOJ did take action. I know they say it's unclear that the Department of Justice will take action, but they have a long history and a solid history uh, in Merrick Garland's DOJ of actually taking action and winning. Thank you so much, A.G. This next story um, in the
3: one six insurrection investigation investigation. It seems a January 6th writer who was armed with a concealed weapon as he led the mob that overran police on the steps of the Capitol was sentenced to seven years in federal prison on Wednesday. Now, Christopher Alberts, he's a Maryland Donald Trump supporter, and he was found guilty on nine charges in April after he testified that, and I quote, instinct took over when he charged the police with a wooden pallet during the Capitol attack. He was sentenced by U.S. Judge Christopher Cooper. Alberts, he told jurors that he, and I quote, felt like it was a fraudulent election. That sounds familiar. Mm. Uh, was one of just a handful of writers who was actually arrested on January 6th. He had not been taken into custody that day. Federal investigators may have realized he had a gun on him. He had a gun on him during the Capitol attack. The total number of guns in the mob that day will never be known. But other defendants, they have admitted that they were armed, by the way, including Mark Mazza who was carrying two firearms and received five years in federal prison when he was sentenced last year. Guy Reffitt, a January 6th writer who charged up the stairs alongside Albertson, was the first Capitol writer to go to trial, by the way. He also had a gun on him. He was sentenced to more than seven years in federal prison. And who doesn't take a gun when they're going down a tour of the gift shop of the Capitol? You
2: know what I mean? Oh, you know among us? I'm just, you know, this is a tourist visit. I just want to take a gun and rub a little poop on the walls. That's it. That's what we do.
3: And also, this is from Ryan Riley at NBC, a Pennsylvania mother who was known as Bullhorn Lady because she used a bullhorn to instruct rioters at the U.S. Capitol. She was convicted Tuesday of nine federal counts. Rachel Powell was found guilty on a variety of charges, including felony counts of interfering with officers performing their duties and obstruction of an official proceeding. Her bench trial was held in May, and U.S. District Judge Royce Lambert delivered the verdict Tuesday. Powell was accompanied to court by her children, one of whom was wearing a red Make America Great Again hat in the courtroom. Powell had posted on social media that the former president, Donald Trump, had given her child a MAGA hat. So this was from the president himself, apparently. Powell's identity was discovered by online sedition hunters who have since identified, by the way, hundreds of additional capital rioters, and her identity was publicly revealed in a February 2021 article in The New Yorker. Powell, who was also known as Pink Hat Lady, was arrested days later. I love the fact that there's this sedition hunters, because these people have friends and family. Someone knows them, and there's Mm -hmm. enough people that care
2: about our democracy that they are going to turn these fuckers in, and I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, one of the great things about Twitter when it was functional... Absolutely. ...was OSINT and Sedition Hunters. And their their nicknames are great, too. Pink Hat Lady, Bullhorn Lady. <laughs> All right, next up from Glenn Kessler at The Post. Quote, I stand with our veterans, and I'm going to donate every dime I make when I'm in Washington, D.C. to veterans of the state of Alabama. Folks, they deserve it. They deserve it a lot more than most of us. Unquote. That is Senator Tommy Tuberville, who does not give a shit about veterans. As Senator, Tuberville has made veterans one of his key issues, um, mostly to fuck their lives up. The former football coach serves on both the Veterans Affairs Committee and the Armed Services Committee. He's now in a high profile battle with the Biden administration over abortion policy affecting veterans and active duty service members. And he stalled the confirmation of more than 250 senior military officers, including, by the way, the new chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Commandant of the Marine Corps, over his objection to a Defense Department policy that I helped enact. And he's an asshole. Yet there's no evidence that Tuberville has kept a key pledge he made when he ran for Senate three years ago that he would donate every dime he made in Washington to Alabama veterans. U.S. senator earns $174,000 a year. We're assuming Tuberville was proposing to donate only his salary, not the substantial earnings he makes from his investments. (laughs) He has an estimated net worth of $20 million, by the way. With Tuberville now having served two and a half years as a senator, that would amount to $437 in donations. In the past decade, Tuberville has made contributions to veterans via charitable organization, the Tommy Tuberville Foundation, that he established in 2014 after he was hired as a football coach at the University of Cincinnati. His employment contract, which paid him a minimum of $1.6 million a year, stipulated that he donate at least five grand a month as a gift to the athletics department. For instance, in 2016, he paid for 150 season tickets for veterans in a section of the stadium dubbed Tubby's Troops. Oh, good Lord. The transaction was billed to the Tommy Tuberville Foundation, whose primary mission is assisting our military and veterans. The Internal Revenue Service certified the Tommy Tuberville Foundation as a public charity in 2015, making donations tax deductible. But a review of IRS filings made by the foundation showed that very little has been spent on charitable causes, especially since he became a senator. Tuberville moved the charity to Alabama in 2018 after he left the coaching position in Cincinnati in 2016. In 2021, that foundation reported it had $74,000 in revenue and spent just 12% of that, 9000 bucks, while $32,000 went to administrative costs, including $12,000 uh, or so to pay off a truck the charity purchased. And in 2022, the foundation apparently had gross receipts of less than 50 grand and was required to file only a 990N form known as a postcard, providing even less detail. He filed his Taxes by postcard. The test for filing a postcard considers the average of the past three years. Charity also filed postcard in 2020 and 2021. And in its 2021 filing, it suggested it received no money at all in 2020. The charity generally provided little detail on how money is raised for the charity, but in its 2018 filing, it cited fundraising through a golf tournament and speaking engagements. Most of the donations it reported were relatively small, $8,700 in 2015, $13,000 or so in 2016 for veterans home renovations, and $4,500 in 2018 for flags, flags for veterans. The foundation filed the wrong form in 2017, so there's no details provided there. 2019 and 2020 were also postcard filings. Quote, the charity reports receiving only $218,000 in contributions for the past five years combined from Tommy If he promised to donate his salary to veterans, he certainly isn't fulfilling that promise by donating to this particular charity. So, fuck that guy.
3: Fuck that guy, indeed. And also, fuck this guy. Speaking of veterans, when Governor Ron DeSantis announced plans last year to reestablish the Florida State Guard, which was disbanded in 1947, by the way, it was tough to blame his critics for raising concerns about a private army. That would act at the Florida governor's discretion. Why does that sound so familiar? Why would that be dangerous? Mm. The far right Republican has, after all, created a widely unnecessary elections police force while simultaneously using taxpayer funds to transport migrants out of Florida from state to state as part of a legally dubious campaign stunt. Also really fucking inhumane. With abuses like these in mind and DeSantis making little effort to hide his authoritarian predilections, the GOP governor hadn't exactly earned the benefit of the doubt when he made the Florida State Guard announcement nearly seven months ago. For his part, the Republican offered plenty of assurances. DeSantis insisted he simply wanted a local force to assist in responding to emergencies such as hurricanes, which are hardly unheard of in the Sunshine State. Now, to hear the Floridian tell it, those rising concerns about a private gubernatorial fighting force were being hysterical and paranoid. That's what he's saying. It was against this backdrop that the New York Times reported over the weekend. This is the story. The deployment this spring of the Florida State Guard has been mired in internal turmoil, with some recruits complaining that what was supposed to be a civilian disaster response organization has become heavily militarized requiring volunteers to participate in marching drills and military-style training sessions on weapons and hand-to-hand combat. I guess they thought they were going to fight the hurricanes? Now, according to the Times report, which has not been independently verified by MSNBC or NBC News, 150 people were initially accepted into the program, and since then, at least one-fifth of them have either quit or been kicked out, including those who were fired after trying to raise concerns about the direction of the operation. Among those ousted, Brian Newshouse, he's a retired Navy officer who helped recruit the first batch of volunteers who raised objections on the first day of training. And he was, and I quote, abruptly escorted out. Now, this is also the Times reported. They added this to the story. One of the recruits who, like most of others, did not want to be named because of fear of reprisals, described the training as more like a, quote, military fantasy camp than the practical instruction expected in topics such as how to respond to hurricanes. He went on to say the volunteers said the training seemed poorly structured with an inordinate amount of time spent, as one of them described it, marching in fields. They said they had expected sessions on such things as how to set up distribution of water and other resources during disasters, But that training, a copy of the schedule shows, came only at the very end after classes on marksmanship and the concealed carry of weapons, as well as combatives, those classes on hand-to-hand combat. A related poor in the Miami Herald referred an an incident in which a retired Marine Corps captain filed a complaint with local police following an argument with instructors he and a witness quit soon after that. Donald Trump said over the weekend that DeSantis should consider shifting his focus from the presidential campaign trail back to Florida. It was arguably the first good idea the former president has had in a very long time.
2: (laughs) That's fascist shit, man. Yeah. He wants to make his own little fucking army. And then to recruit veterans, veterans, a lot of whom have PTSD, and to put them in these kind of combat situations like that, that's abuse. Yeah. In my in my opinion. Anyway, fascist shit right there. All right. A cold case gets some life. We just have a little bit. This is a breaking and developing story. The Las Vegas police confirmed Tuesday they served a search warrant this week in connection with the long unsolved murder of Tupac Shakur, propelling the case back into the spotlight. It's been almost 30 years. It's fascinating. Since his death. Tupac, one of the most prolific figures in hip hop, was gunned down on September seventh, nineteen ninety six, in a drive by shooting in Las Vegas. He was twenty five years old. No arrests have ever been made, and they just served a search warrant on somebody. So the case is up and running again, and we'll, <laughs> I I'm fascinated by this. Yes, I'm truly fascinated by this. So uh, we will definitely keep coverage of this as as news breaks on it. All right. We have a lot of good news to get to today, but we do have to take a quick break. But everybody stick around. We'll be right back with it.
0: After these messages, we'll be right back.
2: Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, news, confessions, corrections, a shout out to somebody that you love, your spouse, a shout out to yourself. Tell me what you're doing. Brag about yourself. I want to hear it. Uh, if you have a shit kid say or shit your parents say or shit you've said, uh, I like it when I like, realize things that I didn't know for like 45 years. That's always fun to me. Or if you have a misheard song lyric um, or a adoptable pet in your area, frog orgies, baby pictures, whatever you yes, want to send us, please. send it to us. At dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dude, I'm still wigging out about the Tupac thing. Like, I know. 30 years. um, Cold case. I can't believe... I, hope so. I would love for someone to get arrested for this. Amazing. It it would be 30 years. To, and, and people think the January 6th investigation took a long time. Come on now. No, no. Anyway, it's uh, absolutely amazing and fascinating that they've got a lead now after all this time. I can't wait to hear more about it. All right, let's do the good news. First up from Sarah pronouns she and her. I nearly did, but ultimately did not get scammed today. There was a Facebook ad for Bed Bath & Beyond, a warehouse sale. Everything was at prices, too good to be true, but they weren't true. (laughs) Luckily, I figured it out before I shared the link with my family or shared any of my information. Be careful out there. Keep up the good work. Yes, Sarah, the phishing emails are getting clever. They'll tell you that you're about to lose your verification or you, you've you been kicked out of your account or, you know, somebody tried to use your card, contact our fraud department, you click a link. Anytime you click a link and they ask you to put in a password, eh-eh, uh-uh, eh-eh, uh-uh, don't do it.
3: Thank you so much, A.G. And this one's from Daniel S., no pronouns given from Daniel. Hi, Allison and Dana, love the show. The correct pronunciation of ha'aretz is, and I said it this time, ha'aretz, um, pause between for those of you that are also learning this word, which is the newspaper in Israel, pause between the first syllable and the second, no pause between the second and the third. So it's Haaretz. And what's interesting about the article I read yesterday, there was actually no apostrophe in the way the news actually reported this newspaper, which was an incorrect spelling, which also made the pronunciation a bit harder, um, which means the land, as in Israel, which makes total sense. Haaretz is one of the oldest newspapers in Israel and the few remaining left-leaning newspapers on the country Amazing. They publish an English version on the web, and they're a great source of information for English speakers who want an inside view of the country and its politics. Fabulous. Now, Daniel, you did this to me on purpose. Um, I hope I am actually saying that right. And he said, I'm not going to try to give you a pronunciation on that one, but it means good luck. Um, Daniel, I just <laughs> want to thank you uh, for the very soft correction on this. I love... Uh, I know I make mistakes with pronunciations, and I really love that we have such a loving audience that would write in in such a gentle way and help me learn a new word and help uh, some of the other listeners uh, learn a new word. Uh, so, Daniel, yeah. thank you so much for the correction on Haaretz. I appreciate
2: it. Yeah. So, you know, I just uh, I appreciate it. This was nice. This was real nice. Thanks so much, Daniel. Keep sending those corrections, please. Um, I love them. Nancy C. No pronouns. Good morning, Beans Queens. I love your podcast. I enjoy sitting on the front porch with my dog, cat, coffee, and you. That sounds awesome. I would love to see a picture of this happy place, by the way. This isn't exactly a correction. A little more information about the Tiki Torch asshole arrested for his activities on January 6th. He is from South Carolina. I'm a bit sensitive about this because although Charlottesville, like most cities, has problems. The vast majority of people involved in that tragic day weren't from Charlottesville. Yes, that's true. They'd apparently travel nationwide to indulge in their quote-unquote hobby. It has impacted people's perception of the city, so that's why I wanted to bring it to light. Yeah, there were a lot of those people were bust in, right? Thanks so much for your hard work, your ability to make me laugh, even when listening about the waste of protoplasm and their activities. Thank you, Nancy, so much for just expanding on that point because... Yeah, Charlottesville's beautiful, and a lot of those folks, like you said, just came in from out of town to uh, you know enjoy their indulge in their hobby, as you say.
3: Yeah, and it's actually a beautiful place. I've been, and it's 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 stunning. It's, I I I, lo- I love the area. I think it's a gorgeous. Yep. Thank you for that submission. This one's from Megan. pronouns she and her. Special thanks to all those occupational therapists out there working with kids. My five-year-old son was diagnosed with sensory processing disorder last July. It's been quite a journey, but with the help of an amazing occupational therapist, he has made so many strides. My husband, son, and I have learned so much from Miss Jody. She has helped us create a safe space for our son to grow all while pushing him appropriately to try tasks that he struggled with while gaining confidence. Now back to the Anon OT good newser. Thank you for all you do. You make a tremendous difference and help bring knowledge and compassion to kids and families in need. Yeah. Additional pet tax. My son's one-year-old kitten, Indy who showed up on our back porch last 4th of July holiday. We took him in, and he has been the best
2: addition to our family. Look at him. <laughs> we named the cat Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Look how cute. That this wasn't a bad boy. impression, my friend. It wasn't a bad one. Thank you, even though I am Scottish myself. All righty. All um what a beautiful baby. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for that submission. H G, pronouns he and him. Hello from Minnesota. <laughs> no, I'm gonna all right. We're <laughs> okay, with knock with, it off. <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> with the Connery. The greatest state in the USA. We can do walking if you want. No. Hello from Minnesota, the greatest state in the USA. And I I concur. I love Minneapolis. It's one of my favorite towns when I'm on tour. Me too. I love Minneapolis. As most people know, our trifecta has passed protections for abortion and care for trans youth. So as a service for those coming to the state, I'm providing this handy pronunciation guide to three of the most mispronounced place names in Minnesota. Adina, Shakopee, and Wayzada. Adina is Adina. Okay. Adina. Shakopee. Shakopee. All right. Oh. Good to know. And Wyzada. Wyzetta. Okay, cool. I got all three wrong. That's about right. I mean, considering how much we love Minnesota, you think we wouldn't know how to pronounce every single thing in the state. Adina, Shakopee, Wyzetta. There is also one person you should know, the proper pronunciation. Senate Majority Leader Kari Zizidzik. Zizidzik. Yeah. Deedzik, Okay. Now Okay. Now you're taking me... Wisconsin way with proto which took me forever to get right. <laughs> so we're on Zick now uh, in Minnesota. Learn these and you'll sound like a local. For my pod pet tax, I give you a slightly fuzzy picture of my fuzzy Stella, oh. the wonder Shar-Poo. She belongs to Jessica from our trivia team. Since I live in a no furry pets condo, she sits under our table and eats snacks during the trivia game. Look it. I bet she loves the oh. trivia game. Yeah, just down there, vacuuming up snacks. My goodness. She wins. She cutie. wins trivia every week. Cutie, cutie. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right. This one's from
3: Mickey, pronouncing him. Hello, friends. Busan, Busan? AG, do you know if that's the right way to say Busan, South Korea? I don't. Busan? Um, we're gonna, uh, Busan, South Korea, was my first foreign port. Uh, Mickey, excuse me. If I'm mispronouncing Busan, please let me know. Was my first foreign port visit on deployment. I absolutely loved it. Butter Bread at Tom and Tom's, touring a Buddhist temple, and seven-hour bus ride to visit the DMZ. I'll never forget the first part of the briefing we all received before heading to the truce Village. This is obviously a submission based on the crazy story we read yesterday. An understandably laconic PFC asked us three questions. The first one was, is anyone under the influence of alcohol or drugs? Second one, is anyone carrying any weapons? Third one, is anyone planning to defect to North Korea today? (laughs) I almost laughed out loud from the absurdity. I have no doubt that third question will be asked a lot more pointlessly for the next several months. Honestly, best of luck to Travis King. He's going to need it. Now, for pet tech shout out, I want to tell you about my coworker who also runs a small cat rescue. Oh, excellent. Yep. Warning that there is, oh no, warning that there is a very sad part. She recently pulled three tiny kittens out from under a trailer. And as she does, got them spayed or neutered and up on vaccinations and fostered these adorable fluffs so they could be adopted by good people who pass an interview. The smallest of them was named Espresso. Stop it. She told me when I was thinking of adopting him myself that he was a very polite little man who meowed in lowercase and periodically sent pictures and video. Mm. That's hysterical. Sadly, oh no. Sadly, Espresso did not do well after being neutered. We'll never know, though it looks like he had a rare allergic reaction to the anesthetic. She stayed up all night loving on him until he crossed the bridge. I wished I'd met him. The silver lining is that the family who had planned to adopt him offered to pay to cremate espresso, take his ashes with love, and adopt his brother Boba instead. That is a beautiful story to a super sad, sad story. Here is a picture of a little angel with two other gorgeous voids in the background. I'm proud to know one of the outstanding people who voluntarily opens her heart to this constant flood of pain and love. Thank you also, A.G. and Dana and the team. I listen every day. Oh thank man you. Mickey thank you
2: very much and for the story about Busan that made me laugh it's funny um anyone under the influence are you are you high are you drunk do you have any weapons are you going to defect i know <laughs> <laughs> apparently <laughs> There's a lot of people that get drunk with guns who try to defect. Is anyone plan on running?
3: Because if so, we need a different tour guide for this specific group. Is anyone planning on
2: running? <laughs> oh, and I'm I, I love that they uh, paid to have espresso uh, cremated and took espresso's ashes and adopted his brother Boba. I think that that's a beautiful, beautiful story, and that's amazing what your friend does. She's so great. Mickey, thank you for that. And, uh, and let us know how to pronounce Busan if we're not doing it right. And um, thanks to everybody who submitted your good news today. If you have some good news to submit. We got one more day left in this week. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a felony Friday or not, but it's uh, oh, soon. Man. Yeah, I soon, hope so. I don't know if it's don't know if it's going to be this week, but soon. So um, send your good news in. We always need it. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? I do. Not, not the happiest final thought. This is just more of a warning. I have some friends out in,
3: um, in New Zealand, and there was a, a very, very rare shooting. Uh, In New Zealand, Uh, that's going to hit the news and and just came through our news feeds. And the Women's World Cup starts tomorrow. And so it's already tomorrow in New Zealand. Um, I do believe, yes. Please be safe, be vigilant. I've got friends out there. If you are somehow listening to this podcast from overseas and you're supporting the women in the World Cup, Just please be vigilant. It's a rare uh, shooting that happened in New Zealand, but right now they just want people to be careful in the city center. So that's, that's really my last thought today. And obviously I'm wishing the United States women's good luck and all the other soccer players, women's soccer is, it's so nice for them to see new fans um, and for, have this to continue to grow throughout the world. 80,000 tickets this the the stadium where the first women's World Cup game is in New Zealand sold out 80,000 tickets. Mm-hmm. That's a big fucking deal so good luck USA and as you know I'm a huge women's national team fan I know we have some others out there I'm gonna be following the World Cup it starts tomorrow and let's cheer on our girls Megan Rapino. this is her last one we will miss <sighs> her she is retiring.
2: Oh, I'm a hero yeah seriously she's a she's, good one. She's incredible. Yeah, and and I and I think I think there might be a women's uh football Ted Lasso spinoff with Hannah Waddingham. I don't know. Oh Hannah's so amazing. But can you imagine what that would do for the sport? You remember Keely and, and Becca were talking about at the end, like maybe buying a women's team. So a woman's club, sorry. Um so anyway. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So uh, amazing, honestly, what that show has done for the sport, but truly um, the women have constantly and forever held their own uh, and done just incredible, incredible. I mean, they're like the goats. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm I'm excited to to watch it with you. So, all right. Until tomorrow, we'll be back in your ears. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. I've been AG and I've been DG and them's the beans. Goodbye.